Happy Monday. Welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Kilroy. And today we're discussing the long-awaited Hercule Poirot adventure, Death on the Nile, Kenneth Branagh's second Agatha Christie-based murder mystery. This one is fairly polarizing, as I am a fan of Christie's work. You are uh, not, as you've made painfully clear. Uh, can't, can't wait to debate the merits of the classic whodunit. We'll debate, even though, as I was saying before we recorded, our negatives line up. We just had different scores, but our negatives line up on this movie, I noticed. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but first, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. Got four big trailers to start with today. First up, the full trailer for Pixar's Lightyear, starring Chris Evans, everyone's favorite space ranger. It's theaters June 17th. Uh, I'm all in at this point. I'm excited. I, I think it's a cool, creative idea. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. But I know you have reservations. Uh, so let's hear them. Yeah, I'm so uh, reserved about this. Just in the sense that, like, I know, like, they definitely had Zerg in the trailer. They just didn't say it, but it it looked it looked like Zerg. It's Zerg. Um, at the same time, it still stands that like it's telling a story that I don't particularly really care for. Um, you know, and I who knows it could be like the show. I know they had a show Buzz Lightyear of Sarkman. When I watched it as a kid, and it could be just like that and be just as fun and amazing. Um, I think it was Patrick Warburton that actually voiced Buzz in that show. It's actually high noon for Family Guy. Um, and with this, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just of the mind that, like, you had a perfect trilogy with Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. And, like, I didn't hate 4, but I also didn't, like, like it as much as I did the first three. And so felt like a movie that, like, I could have lived without having. And it's kind of like the same feeling with this. It's I feel like it's going to be good. I'll probably like it. I'll probably somehow end up liking it, but so be saying, going, I don't need this. Like, just let the franchise alone. Like, it's okay. You had a perfect trilogy and two fun specials. I watched the Halloween special and they didn't know the one. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm cautious on this movie. I'm not completely against it. I'm just, I'm cautious. Fair enough. I think it's going to be a monster hit. Uh, probably lead to a sequel and a new franchise. Yeah, yeah. I I know. And I'm okay with that. I you know, I like Chris Evans. I like um and I know that like it's not, you know, Tim Allen isn't voicing the character because of like political differences because he's doing a Santa Claus show with Disney. So they're still working together. So I think that like the intent was to go younger on Buzz Lightyear. So I like that it's not like a animosity situation, you know. The, the whole Tim Allen thing never bugged me because again I watched that that show and it wasn't Tim Allen voicing him on the show it was Patrick Warburton so like it's never bothered, bothered me that they got Chris Evans to do the voice because again the story they're going for anyway is that this is the actual Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based off of so it makes sense to just go ahead and get someone else to voice Buzz. Wonder if this like what if this was like a live action movie. I kind of would be more against it actually because I'm like really tired of like I've always talked about Disney's like live action and their cartoons right now and the quality of their output. 
So I'd be actually probably be more against it. I just I'm so against what they're doing with that right now. It's understandable. It's not original content. It's you know beating a dead horse. But sometimes the dead horse spits out money. In Disney's case, it always spits out money. Yeah. Whatever. We'll see. June seventeenth. I'm excited to talk about it. Maybe we'll do some Toy Story shit on our other shows that week. Who knows? Okay, we're not doing anything on Beyond the Bed because I don't. None of those films qualify for Beyond the Bed. Remotely. I think the only Pixar we could do is like Cars 2. Uh, what about Flying Dory? I thought that one got pretty polarizing. No, that one was, a, that's got like a 96% billion oh, dollar success. Like that was, that was a big I was, I was out to see when that film came out. So I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, it was actually really good. Finding Dory was really good. That's what I, I need to watch it one day. I'm trying to think. Um, I know the good dinosaur wasn't a big success, but it, it was reviewed fa- pretty fairly. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even, even though they're not big successes, they get reviewed pretty fa- fairly. I really think Cars maybe Monsters University actually might be in that running. I'm not sure. It might be. I haven't looked into that. That's one of the, uh, the few Pixar's I still haven't seen. But, you know, maybe. Uh, we'll look into it. Next up. Uh, the Hulu original horror film, No Exit, which arrives on the streaming service on February 25th. And this looks interesting. Uh, a lady leaves rehab to go see her dying mother, ends up stranded in a visitor center during a snowstorm with a bunch of uh, suspicious characters. And in the parking lot is a van with a kidnapped girl in it. So somebody here has kidnapped this girl. And the film is Who Done It? So definitely intriguing. Yeah, this looks pretty good. Um, I like. Yeah, I really like they do. Looks like it'll be fun. Hulu's track record, I think, of all the streamers tends to be of the big three. I'm not including like Shutter and HBO Max and all of them. I feel like they actually tend to be a little bit stronger, even though like I know I've kind of had issues with prior Hulu original films. I still think overall they're stronger a lot more times than Netflix and um, Prime because. They, they do less films, so they seem to put a lot more fucking care into the ones that they do come out out with. Um, and this one actually looked pretty good. And I mean, with that said, I saw the Netflix 2022 movie preview fucking trailer they did, and it looks like they're actually kind of bringing up the big guns this this year. It looks like we might be getting some actual fucking quality Netflix films finally. Um, probably around the fall. I agree. Probably, yeah. Like I, what was it that movie that came out? The, uh, the one they advertised, the Adam Project, that actually does not look terrible. Even I was like, this doesn't look that bad, actually. Um, but yeah, this one was interesting. I'll definitely be tuning in for No Exit. I'm kind of curious on that one. Yeah, me too. Next up, uh, did not know this was coming out this year, but I'm super excited. The remake of Stephen King's Firestarter, which hits theaters and Peacock on May 13th. Um, I didn't realize they were this far along in production. I thought this was probably coming out next year. So this is very exciting. This looks fantastic. Uh, very on point with the book. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I was really surprised when I heard the, the trailer. Which I was like, what the fuck? So I thought, honestly, because again, now it's around the same time as uh, the Christine remake. And I thought like, oh, okay, they'll probably come out like, you know, same like, like you said, next year. Around the same time. I mean, they got announced relatively close together. And then I know, like, hey, we got Firestarter. Like, here's the trailer. I was like, that surprised me. And then the fact that they're going both theatrical and streaming, which doesn't seem, you know, so many of them are adamant that it's just theatrical this year. And I'm like, bold move. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that 
and this was more of like a, I guess an age thing, right? Um, when I first heard about this movie, they had cast Zac Efron as like the dad. I'm like, why would you cast Zac Efron as a dad? Like the guy's young. And then when like I'm watching the trailer and I'm looking at his age, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. He is actually old enough now to be. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Zac Efron got old. <laughs> I'm like, no, Troy, no. <laughs> High school musical oh. way out of this situation. <laughs> I'm I think this looks really cool. I'm excited to see the capabilities of this kind of story with modern day visual effects and uh the fact that they cast a Native American actor as the Native American villain John Rainbird. That's a big selling point for me because you know it was George C. Scott with black hair in the 80s, which was fucking disgraceful. So this is a this is, this is all pointing in the right direction for Firestarter. So bring it on. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it's Blumhouse that's doing this. Yeah. So I'm 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 all, I'm in on this one. Um, I haven't actually I haven't seen the original one yet. So, but I mean, with this coming out, I will now. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm in. It looks really really good. Um, I know like some people were worried like the Stephen King Renaissance was like fading because of like the one two punch of Pet Cemetery and then it Chapter Two for a lot of people, but. I don't think it's fading. I don't think it's even, I don't think that remotely phased it at all because this tells me that it is still in full swing and we're getting some interesting stuff. Oh, we're getting, you know, a Salem's Lot sequel later this year, I believe. Yep. Uh, like, I sure think for, producing. Yep. Very excited for that. I, yeah. Any, you know, Renaissance is going to have some blips. It's going to, there's going to be some, some, some bad ones. Not everything's going to be perfect. But it's going to be worth it for the the masterpieces we're going to get, and yeah. I'm excited to to be in this kind of rejuvenation of Stephen King's work, and uh, you know I'm I'm going to take it a film at a time and just see what, see what happens. Yep, exactly. I'm going to you, I'm going to watch this. See what it says. I'm I'm patiently with all my power of patience waiting to see the trailer finally pop up for Salem's Lot. I'm I'm very curious on that one. I'm I've been pretty stoked when they announced. I was like, ooh. And when James Arnold was attached to produce, I'm like, okay, let's bring this on. Salem's Lot's a scary fucking book, and I don't think it's been done right on the big well, on the small screen yet. Well, so this is going to be. I have high hopes for Salem's Lot. Yeah. Well, and apparently the show on Epics that uh, Chapelweight mm-hmm. is based off the prequel short story. Apparently, it's like really good, and it got renewed for season two. So apparently, this is like the year of like Salem's Lot material. I never cared for the Jerusalem lot story. I always thought it was a uh, king trying too hard to be like Lovecraft and not, you know, using well, his own I mean, voice. Concerning the yeah, season two, I think they expand well off that fucking story to keep it going. Oh, maybe. I mean, you throw King's name on anything, I'm going to watch it. So, you know, we'll see. Finally, the trailer for Jurassic World Dominion, which is being billed as the epic franchise conclusion. Original stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum are joining Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard in what looks like a wonderful dinosaur adventure. It's theaters June 10th. And as soon as I saw Sam Neill, I was like, God damn, this is going to be good. I was just like, he looks great. The, The beard, the glow up, like this is like Alan Grant is back to fight some dinosaurs. Like I'm, I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah, I so I sent this trailer actually to my parents, like to my mom. As soon as I was like, "Hey, look at this trailer," and she, when I was talking to her earlier, she was like, "Doctor Grant 
like he's aged well he's looking good she's like i haven't seen him like yeah i I was like i'm pretty sure like he does his movies and then like goes home and i was like i appreciate i want to say something i was like he's british right he's not i think he's irish i I was like he's not american i know that not like i know nowadays when you say that it sounds you sound like a fucking one of those you know crazy experience i just mean as like he wasn't born in fucking america Um, i'm gonna confirm it right now let's see sam yeah i don't i was like i'm I don't want to sound like an ass, but I'm pretty sure he's Northern Irish. Okay, I was like, and so I was like, I'm pretty sure he's Lou. It's like he does his films and he goes home. Like, <laughs> he, yeah, he doesn't really stick with the Hollywood limelight, which power to him. But no, but to like to a point, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, I remember when I saw all three of them. I'm like, it's so good to see him back. And yeah, I was like, Doctor Grant. Yeah, it just like as soon as I saw the beard, and I was like, that's fucking Doctor Grant. He is back. He's aged incredibly well. Good for him. Yeah. Staying <laughs> away from dinosaur, you know, mistakes has made him age well, as opposed to like, you know, I don't know, like John Hammond, who's dead. I was say, you can't say Goldblum because he's honestly. Yeah, I was going to be like, no, Goldblum looks like a silver fox too. Like who, <laughs> everyone looks great. Who can I, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, I look like, I personally really enjoyed Jurassic World. I really enjoyed it. I thought Fallen Kingdom was good, not as good as Ward. Um, but I, I know like a lot of people that fucking just despise that one. I still had a lot of fun with it. I thought like the approach to a more dark tone was fun and like I thought the the dinosaur villain was creepy. Um, so I liked it overall. This one just has me stoked. I know Lost World already had fucking dinosaurs on the mainland, but it was for 15 minutes. It wasn't a whole movie. Like they well, know that. Lost World had dinosaur on the mainland. Yeah, so, I like, yeah. but this movie, it's, the species is back. It's it's established in the trailer. It's been years actually from the second film, so it's like we've lived with them for years in this ward, right? So that expert's really exciting to me. And seeing like you know the balance, humans essentially have to fight for survival now because the balance has shifted because you can't control fucking dinosaurs, like. <laughs> Yeah. They used to be the apex fucking predator of this planet. Like, you imagine um, living in a world where, like, you, on your way to work, you could get swooped up by a fucking pterodactyl. Like, that's a legit problem that you have to figure out how yeah. to avoid. Just going to the grocery store, you have to worry if, like, a velociraptor is going to fucking kill you. <laughs> like, <laughs> reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit where, like, he was going to work and then like a panther showed up and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> just <laughs> something you got to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I've seen Lost World. They can fucking break through a mirror, a window. So if you think you're safe in your home, apparently no. There's got to be somebody making a mint selling like anti-dinosaur home security systems. <laughs> you know, that's like the big product in this future. <laughs> can you imagine, the, God, can you imagine people that like to hunt in this world, like, I wonder if that's going to come up. There's got to be a character who's like a big game hunter. He's got like a T Rex skull in his living room. Has to. And this is not me trying to be a PS. I'm from Texas. I, I have nothing against hunting, but I'm just saying, like, for those that like want to go out hunting, if there's like you have to worry about like again a raptor, or a fucking T Rex, or insert any goddamn predatory dinosaur in there. Hell, we saw it with the guys that were just trying to crab fish. With the mosques, I'm like, God damn, like, yeah, that world looks horrendous to live in. I wonder what the, uh, 
like what's who's the bad guy going to be? What's going to be the conflict of the movie? I'm I'm excited. I'm glad they're kind of keeping us in the dark on this one. Yeah, I'm also that's what I'm curious about. If it's a silent, we've lived so long. What is the inciting event for this movie to get all these characters back? Um, mm-hmm. What's going on? I yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Seeing all seeing the old characters was fucking wonderful. And I mean, you know how much I love the original Jurassic Park. So like the kid in me just got really, really happy seeing the three cast members back and seeing them at the end of the trailer when they're mixed with the new cast members. And he says the line, don't move. <laughs> and then I love Grant. Is it me? Or oh, I forget who I have to watch earlier. And they're like, is it me or did they get bigger? <laughs> I think what I'm most excited about is to see Dr. Grant get to interact with a docile velociraptor get to kind of learn to communicate with blue because you know they're going to do that you know grant's obsession with raptors is going to extend to blue and that's going to be exciting yeah and and it looks like the dinosaur action the city is going to be really exciting too it really does like the stuff they're showing like chris pratt uh, chris pratt on the motorcycle running from the like raptors like that it looks like they are going to definitely use set pieces to their advantage yeah, for sure. Um, so Colin Trevorrow is returning to direct. He did Jurassic World. Uh, then this like shit movie called The Book of Henry lost a Star Wars movie. And now he's back to Jurassic World. So interesting career this dude's had so far. But uh, Dinosaur seems to be his forte. So bring it on. I was about to say, yeah, like weird how he got back into it. But considering how much I like Jurassic World and he's going back to do this one to finish it off. That fills me with hope. Hope. I mean, it's it, it doesn't look like it's going to be like how Abrams came back for fucking episode nine. <laughs> um. So it's being billed. The, tra- the the trailer said like the thrilling conclusion. Do you buy that? No, they've already they've already said that. Don't they've already talked about that before the trailer even released. It's already been discussed. I I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Blade Disgusting, one of the producers, one of the producers came out and said, like, yes, this is the end of this like era. This is what we're telling here, but we're already planning ahead for future films. We're already thinking about what to do next. So conclusion is bullshit. Okay. Gotcha. Conclusion to this era. (laughs) Okay. They keep saying conclusion to the Jurassic era. So I'm like, are you gonna fucking rename it? So we name it eight. If you try to be like Triassic Park, I'm like, shut up. Fuck off. <laughs> I watched the shit out of Triassic Park just to see what the fuck it is. <laughs> like that's the porno version. Oh my god. I figured Jurassic Pork would be the porno version, but you know. Triassic. It's just nothing but three ways. Exactly. Someone's dressed up as like a fucking raptor for no reason. There's a reason. It's a dino a rap- porno. What do you mean no reason? A raptor with a dick. But the okay. dick is very clearly human. We're getting off we're getting off topic here. It's like this family guy one that exists. Oh no, it was an American dad where someone was like dressed up as Roger. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the dick that, wasn't painted. That was so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was really distracting. I won't lie. Dude, for me it was like the fucking eyes. It was like a Stitched on, like one eye's looking over there, one eye's looking over here. It was so fucking lazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, June, uh, what was it? June 10th. Give me a cool June. We got Lightyear, we got Jurassic World, we got whatever the hell else is coming out in June. Isn't that Juneteenth or whatever? 
percent when that holiday hits now? I I I don't know. It's a it's a brand new well, it's been a holiday, but it's a brand new recognized federal holiday, so I forget. Yeah, I hits. don't I know what you're talking about. I don't know the day it falls on, but thank you for throwing that out. So I look at ignorant. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. In all, in all honesty. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I know it's going to be a cool June on many different levels. All of the levels. Yeah. Uh, that's all for trailers. Now for some casting news. Uh, something I know that's going to make you super happy. Dane DeHaan has joined the cast of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh, including Dehan, the cast of this biopic now includes Killian Murphy, Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Josh Hartnett, Benny Safdie, and Rami Malek. Its current release date is July 21st, 2023. God damn, is that an amazing cast. The cast is amazing. I know for this movie, it's legitimately interesting. It's literally just Nolan and his childish antics. And the fact that Nothing, I think, like nothing that Universal Universal cannot release, by the way, anything six weeks before or after when this film comes out. That was three weeks or three weeks, whatever. Some ridiculous number. Six weeks is fucking insane. That's two months. (laughs) Three weeks is insane. insane. Don't try to say like three weeks is not insane. I'm not saying three weeks is reasonable, but I'm saying six weeks is psychotic. But it's the major yeah. psychotic, but yeah, it is weird that he, yeah, I, I don't agree with that. But on the other hand, this is shaping up to be a very interesting movie with an amazing, I really, really want to see. I'm really hoping like a different studio can really something bigger that we do, <laughs> or that someone else on the film guys and team wants to watch that movie so I can stand by my more standing of not promoting his films at the theaters. Marvel needs to like throw like Blade or something into that really into that weekend. I would love if like DC has like a really strong year this year so they get cocky and throw something on that. DC and Marvel both release big stuff before and after Oppenheimer just to sandwich him in and fuck him up. I would love if like Marvel's been taking track of all the directors that keep speaking badly about them. They're like, all right, we'll just wait for your movie to come out. Let's picture in Feige having like a meeting with Jeff Johns and being like, look, you're gonna he's gonna come after you next. Like we got a limited window here. I, I hate you as much as you hate me, but let's let's do this together. Jesus, <laughs> we know when their films are coming out. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would but... laugh my uh, I'll, I'll yeah. say this. If I if I get stuck having to see this film. And have to betray my morals. At the very least, I can start Emily Blunt on the big screen. And you know my crush runs deep for Emily Blunt. I'm going to try to find some pirated, shitty video camera version of it some on some website so you can watch it there. I'll and do it. Have to actually give Nolan any money. We'll find a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, because that's the thing. It's, it's not even that like I'm against seeing a Nolan movie. Like I'll I'll, I'll one day because I know it's on. I think it's on Max. I'm not sure. I'll watch um his latest one. I think Tenant is what it was. Tenant, yeah. Tenant. I'll watch it, but I'm, I'm I'm just like I said. I just I would prefer not to give my money at the theater just because of his his antics and his attitude and like you said that that just that vibe he had of like my film's going to save cinema. Go fuck yourself, because apparently it wasn't your movie that people want to see. It was Jackass Forever, you fucking prick. 
<laughs> so go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It was, you know, it was Jackass. It was Spider-Man. It was Godzilla. It was Mortal Kombat. Like nobody gave a fuck about Nolan's revolutionary film that was good, but it wasn't incredible. And even though, and I'm stretching it with good. It was. It's a weird movie. You're gonna. You're gonna fucking hate it. Let's be honest, Eric. Oh, I didn't really like Dunkirk. Like, I think his whole like non-linear storytelling method is getting out of hand. Like, it's getting to the point where it's like, I don't care about what I'm watching. You know what I mean? Like, I just I don't care. It's like, it's unfortunate. Uh, well, Oppenheimer will be here before we know it, and then we'll you know we'll talk about it on next year's batch. Uh, Russell Crowe has joined the cast of Sony and Marvel's Craven the Hunter movie alongside Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven. Uh, no word yet on who Crowe's playing. Maybe he's the bad guy. Maybe he's, I don't know, Craven's dad or some shit. We'll, we'll see. But uh, I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson was a strange choice for Craven the Hunter. I still think it's a strange choice. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll be wrong. I don't know. I'm hoping, but the way they're handling Morbius like is really worrying me about Craven. Um, I know I joke, I joked to you last time because you keep always being like, I don't think this Marvel film's going to come out or because they're not talking about it. And then like it's always funny because you say that, and then like usually not a week later. So the trailer for Shang Chi drops. I'm like, what was that you said about? <laughs> hey, in my defense, it was we were still weird stuff was still getting postponed. It, I, it made sense. I'm not. I'm, I'm over that now, except for Avatar Two. I do think that's not coming out, but everything uh, else is coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But it's just funny because you keep doing that, and then it's almost like they hear you like, "Oh no, we gotta show this asshole what's up, and we have to come out on time." So if anything, just keep saying it because that just means that you won't move it. It'll come out in January of 23, <laughs> like it should. Let's hope. Because uh, it was funny because I say that because I remember before they made this announcement, you were like, you know, I haven't really heard anything about Craven. I don't think it's happening. It's probably not even coming out on time. And then not a week later, Russell Crowe was Craven the Hunter. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I don't know. I Clearly, I'm not good at, like, reading the calendar. Okay? I, I admit that. <laughs> really funny. It's always like time when you say something and then the exact opposite happens at some point in the future well i just hope aaron taylor johnson beefs up and give does justice to this character one of the most beloved spider-man villains of all time and you know i wonder if i mean it'd be cool if they like gave this to toby mcguire and turned it into a craven's last hunt movie for him but you know that won't happen no i know the most that's been rumored rumored confirmed as i'm trying to come up a name where it's like it's kind of confirmed but it isn't was i know charlie cox was saying we haven't seen the end of him or wilson fisk in the mcu which i mean i knew that anyone look when you watch them show people if they don't show you that they are directly dead that usually means they're alive so all those are like how are they they killed wilson fisk how are they going to bring him back you didn't see him get shot you just heard the gunshot and this is the this is the kingpin. We literally saw him take a car to the chest five minutes prior and get up and walk away. You think a gun? You think a, a, a handgun's going to take down this motherfucker? No. Yeah. A handgun <laughs> shot off camera. Like, come on, you got you need you guys need to know movies and shows more, especially if you listen to this podcast. Like, if they don't show it, that means there's a fucking loophole to be used to keep them going. Yeah. 
it's gonna be fine. Did you see that the uh, the Netflix Marvel shows are leaving Netflix yep. in March? Probably going to Hulu. Yes, I did. Crazy Netflix originals leaving Netflix. Yeah, unprecedented times we're living in. Netflix is advertising a Netflix movie in the movie theaters. They keep seeing popping up trailers for the Adam Project. Yeah. I know nothing about the Adam Project. I, I, I apparently missed this one. It's a uh, Ryan Reynolds star. Oh. And Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner. Hmm. Okay. Sean Levy. It's a free guy director. Okay. I'm in. It looks pretty good, actually. I was kind of like, okay, I'll check this one out. Cool. Um, this is interesting. Simu Liu, star of Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has joined the cast of Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie alongside Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Uh, it's written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, and it's fucking Barbie. The star power behind this thing is blowing my mind. I know, right? And it's really like, look, like a lot of males and women, it's 2022. My Robbie's hot as fuck. And I don't want to watch anything she's in just to stare at her, honestly, 100%. But we're, I don't know if I can do that for Barbie. For Barbie. <laughs> Not much less do I really want them to even like remotely sexualize Barbie because that would just feel weird. That would feel weird. I'd be sitting there going, this doesn't well, feel right. Greta Gerwig's doing it, so they're not going to be sexualizing Barbie. Okay, it's good. Be about Barbie kind of finding her place in the world, I think, is what the plot synopsis said. Yeah, it it's definitely an interesting cast or talent attached to this movie. And I'm like, why is all this attached to Barbie? But I mean, we were talking about on Jackass Fur, like the amount of like celebrity like talent and clout that likes those. That film series and those guys actually have it's like Jesus Christ. Okay, we apparently live in bizarre world sometimes. Well, I'm sure you know maybe the Barbie script is gold. I mean, the people writing it are fantastic writers. So what if it what if it's like an Oscar worthy script? Like it is like the best goddamn script written the entire year. If Barbie wins best screenplay next year, I'm gonna. I I I think I'll I, I think I'm I'm done. I don't I don't think I can. Keep going with the Oscars if the fucking Barbie movie takes home anything. What if you watch this movie and I get a text over going, dude, you gotta watch this like the most transcendent movie. Like this movie changes your life. That would be a twist, but we will see. Um, next they up, don't leave the Barbie Girl song at any point. I'm counting points against it. They're going to. You know they're going to. It's gonna be on the radio or at the very least, it's gonna be in the fucking trailer. Oh yeah, this. Um, there is a michael jackson biopic in early development currently titled michael uh it's being made in cooperation with the jackson estate so don't expect any insight into his many scandals particularly his multiple child sexual abuse allegations uh if the estate's making it you ask yeah uh since the estate's behind this it's going to be a pretty vanilla biopic so you know, take it, take, take forward from it what you will. Yeah. I'm about to say, honestly, like, if you're one of those that is ardently like, like he didn't do it, it's probably gonna be the biography for you. If yeah. you're on the other side of it, probably won't be the biography for you. If the estates and box are going to not want to include any of that. Um, if they do, I'll be shocked at all. They won't, but they won't do it. Um, I'm not going to express. Fucking how I say on that whole goddamn thing here on the podcast. I just don't want to get into that because I didn't realize like 
something we always like talked about. It's weird, you know. It's something that was always talked about, and it's become such a huge thing, especially with the the social global climate twenty twenty two. It's just kind of like it's almost become one of those things that divides people now. Surprisingly, and I'm just like I I don't want to get into it. People on that, I'm just like, what he did or he didn't, we don't know. He's dead. This is fact matters. He's dead. The one person that could definitely tell us if he did or not is fucking gone. Yeah, it's 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 hard waters to navigate, and we're not going to do it here. Yeah. So on that level, on that saying that, you know, I'm not surprised that he's getting a biography. I mean, he is the king of pop, for Christ's sakes. Like, the guy, take, you know, just looking at his career, he's an icon. He is truly, like, one of those iconic um, people. He 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 is a, he's a status. He, he was such a, you know, loved musician. Or But, like, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like, there is a legend behind, outside of, like, you know, outside of that shit, there is a music rise. His career, there is a legend around my, michael jackson 100 so it only makes sense that we're getting this documentary for literally probably one of the most recognized and iconic um musicians of all time if anything i'm surprised they took so long to make one well because his music and his career has been vastly overshadowed by this dark story just kind of lingering in the in the ether that can neither be proven or disproven it's it's a weird limbo and uh it's gonna feel dishonest to make a movie about him without touching on that but you know it's like making a frank sinatra movie without talking about the mob which yeah as long as the sinatra estate is still there that movie's never happening yeah it it gets touchy with some of these biographies because obviously it's like sometimes like that's very much what they did you know, career-wise, professional-wise, right? But then, you know, at the end of the day, they're human, right? These are human beings with personal lives, and sometimes there were scandals involved and stuff, and like I said, we don't truly know what the Michael Jackson thing, and yeah, I think it would be dishonest to not include it, but if the essay's involved, do I understand why they weren't? Absolutely. I absolutely understand. Um, it's just, it's hard. It, it, it is hard. Um, Hopefully they can, because the estate is involved, you know, approaching the music side of this, right, and what he stood for in that regard will shine through in the movie, you know. Because like I said, you know, I'm, you know, I stand on my comment of separate art from artists. And art-wise, what Michael Traxon did for pop and for a lot of people is, is important. It is absolutely important, um, regardless of what, you know, he was potentially doing in his private life. Yeah. Well, you know, when if this movie comes about, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on it down the road. Next, the unfortunate passing of visual effects pioneer Douglas Trumbull, who passed away at 79 years old. Trumbull was nominated for three Oscars for best visual effects for the films 2001 A Space Odyssey, Star Trek The Motion Picture, and Blade Runner. He received a special scientific and engineering award in 1993 for developing the CP65 show scan camera system and the Gordon E. Sawyer Award for Technological Contributions to Film in 2012. Some of his other visual effects work includes The Andromeda Strain, The Tree of Life, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, He didn't do a lot of films, but what this man did for visual effects in the 60s through the 80s is fucking beautiful. I mean, 2001 alone, 
is such an iconic film because of its visual effects, because of its imagery. And Trumbull was at the front, the forefront of that. Uh, just a shame to see, you know, a legend like this uh, leave us. Yeah, when I was reading this, um, so I was like, oh God, like I saw the name, and I didn't really quite know. I was like, it sounds familiar. And I was reading, and I was like, God, this guy's doing a lot. So, you know, yeah, no, he may not have been some big hotshot actor or director that everybody knows, right? But this was a guy that clearly left an impact on the industry. Um, and um, stuff he was doing, like you said, with visual effects in the 60s, 70s, clearly left enough of an imprint to continue to be utilized to this day. And yep. that can, that can't be, like, taken away from him. That can't not be talked about like the, the guy left a mark you know it's one thing to have your career right and to have your place in it but to leave a mark like that where you like revolutionize something or people are using your standard that you created you know that that's a different level and that's just a a harder thing to achieve and when you do it's it's something it's something to be talked about something to be celebrated and yeah well said guy was a legend guy was inspiration i'm sure to the visual effects people working today and uh it's a damn shame we lost him Mm -hmm. uh finally we're going to end with the oscar nominations they were announced 94th academy awards will be held on sunday march 27th and odds are if you are a movie fan and you're listening to this podcast you know the oscar nominations you've you watched them you know what they are you're you're betting but just in case you missed them. Unless you're a uh, film fan like me, just saying. All of us film fans are like. Fine. Well, here they are. Uh, <laughs> you're not taking this away from me. <laughs> Best picture. Belfast. Coda. Don't look up. Drive my car. Dune. King Richard. Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley. The Power of the Dog. And West Side Story. Uh, did you get to see any of these? No, because I didn't really care. Okay. For a good chunk. I did actually want to see Don't Look Up, and it just it kept slipping past me. Uh, yeah, West Side Story, I, I could give a shit less about. That show, that show you're fucking taking out as far as I'm concerned, and Pig should have been goddamn put in there. Not a goddamn remake of a film from the fucking 50s. 60s, but okay. 60s, whatever. Matters. I think it's because the film takes place in the 50s. I assume it's a 50s film. It takes place in the 60s, 1961. Yeah. I'm close enough. Best director, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Uh, all right. I'm going to do predictions here because clearly this is a one-sided conversation. Um, best picture, I believe, should go to Belfast. Best director, I believe, should go to uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. It's his time. Okay. I'm very happy with your picks. <laughs> best actress, Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman, Being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart, Spencer. Academy Award nominee Kristen Stewart. That is a valid phrase now. <laughs> she did it. She got her goddamn Academy Award nomination, at least. I'll never... The fact that she got nominated before Pattinson did is kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, but Pattinson has a 
I would argue he has a more successful career than she does. Oh, so he's about to be Batman, so yes. Like, I mean, The Lighthouse before that, like, that was a decent-sized hit. People know about that movie, for Christ's sakes. Um, And yeah, now he's playing Batman, like, he's fine. Well, I think it sucks that Lady Gaga got shut out for House of Gucci. Um, I I have my, uh, my buddy, my college buddy, he was he was ha- unhappy about that. He's like, "How dare they talk out, Lady Gaga?" He was not happy about it. Um, so I get it. Like I've, you know, I've at least seen the stars when I've seen the American Horror Story season she was on. She's a wonderful actress. I would never have thought like Lady Gaga could be such a fucking powerful powerhouse of an actress. No. So it really surprises me that like she got snubbed um, this year. Well, of this bunch, honestly. Uh... Kirsten Stewart, I've heard, is the front runner, and I saw Spencer, and I didn't think it was that great. I didn't think she was that great, so I don't like that. Well, it sounds like she's about to be Academy Award winning. Academy uh, Award winner, Kirsten Stewart. Let that sink in, buddy. Personally, I think it should go to Jessica Chastain. She was amazing in the eyes of Tammy Faye. I've not yet seen A Lost Daughter or Parallel Mothers, and frankly, Nicole Kidman shouldn't be here either. Uh, yeah, Jessica Chastain's hot. Oh yeah. Okay. Best actor, Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, the power of the dog, Andrew Garfield, tick, tick, boom, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel Washington, the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, That's a powerhouse group of actors, and I really want this to go to Andrew Garfield. He was amazing in tick, tick, boom. I like Andrew Garfield. I I support. (laughs) Uh, From what I hear, the front runner is Will Smith, uh, which is okay. I mean, he was good in King Richard, but wasn't a groundbreaking performance. I kind of figured. I think was it you? I think it was you. I was texting. I was like, I think you you asked me, and I was like, it's probably gonna be Will Smith, knowing how they act, how they are. I, I don't like, know if it was me because I don't think I ever text you about the Oscars. Someone texted me because they were like, I really, I really want uh, Andrew Garfield win. I was like, he won't. They're like, why do you say that? I was like, because you just said Will Smith. And I was like, we know how the Oscars work. They're going to. It's it's bureaucracy more than actual like look. Sometimes I'm like Will Smith's probably gonna get it. I'm calling it now. Oh, we'll see. Best supporting actress: Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter; Ariana DeBose, West Side Story; Judy Dench, Belfast; Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog; and Ingenue Ellis, King Richard. Uh, Academy Award nominee: Kirsten Dunst. Another phrase I never thought I'd say. Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't really have a. I got nothing yet. I haven't seen The Lost Daughter. I want to, and I didn't finish The Power of the Dog, so I got to go back and do that, and then I'll judge this. Um, best supporting actor: Kieran Hines, Belfast; Troy Kotzer, Coda; Jesse Plemons, The Power of the Dog; J.K. Simmons, being the Ricardos; Cody Smith McPhee, The Power of the Dog. Uh, cool to see J.K. Simmons nab another nomination. Uh, his performance in Being the Ricardos was fucking hilarious. Uh, but I think this should go to Troy Kotzer for Coda. Coda was such an endearing film. It was a beautiful movie. I'm glad it's getting attention here. And he was he was really good. I've seen this film, so I know. Uh, best costume design, Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story. Uh, probably Cruella is going to take this. It's a movie about fashion. I mean, that's a kind of a gimme. Yeah. It is, and to his credit, the fashion scene like it it stood out. Yeah. Uh, best sound: Belfast, no, uh, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story. 
Best sound, give that to Dune. Okay. I personally thought Dune was terrible, but... All right, but you got to admit, technically, it's a fucking Marvel. Technically, yeah, it's a good movie. It's, you know, all the stuff I care more about, though, that I didn't like. We're talking about technical awards right now. Best sound, it, it, it counts. God damn it. Best original score, Don't Look Up by Nicholas Bertel. Dune by Hans Zimmer, Encanto by Jermaine Franco, Parallel Mothers by Alberto Iglesias, and The Power of the Dog by Johnny Greenwood. Uh, another one I want to go to Dune, but we'll probably go to Encanto. We'll say Disney's going to have that one. Yeah, probably. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay, Coda by Cian Heater, Drive My Car by Ryosuke Hamaguchi and Takamasa Ui, Dune by John Spates, T- Denis Villeneuve, and Eric Roth. The Lost Daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal and The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion. Uh, give this to Coda, but I've heard The Lost Daughter is really good. So it'd be cool if Maggie Gyllenhaal swept up a screenplay not, uh, win. So um, original screenplay Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, Don't Look Up by Adam McKay, King Richard by Zach Balin, Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Worst Person in the World by Exel Vote and Joachim Trier. Uh, give this to, to Paul Thomas Anderson. It's his time. Licorice Pizza was such a great screenplay. Sure. Okay. I mean, I actually like PT Anderson, but I haven't seen Licorice Pizza. Uh, animated short and live action short. I'm going to skip because I didn't see any of those. I never do. Uh, best film editing. Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, film editing. I'm going to give this to Don't Look Up. Good choice. Yeah. Best makeup and hairstyling. Coming to America. Unbelievable. Uh, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. The only uh, nomination this film got. Weird. Okay. I know. Makeup. Dune will probably take this for Stellan Skarsgård's character. Uh, Yeah, I I know. That was a really good job. Yeah. Uh, Animated film. Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, Encanto is pretty much a lock here, but I would, I would honestly Encanto or Raya. I would love if the Mitchells versus the Machines took this away. I feel like that's what people want. It's probably the one that deserves it, but because Disney's on there literally twice, it's going to be Disney versus Disney. Disney's on here three times because Luca is one of theirs too. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, it's going to be Disney versus... But I don't think Luke is even going to get remotely close no. to fighting between the other two that I can't remember the fucking names all of a sudden. Encanto and... Um, the Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, Raya and the Last Dragon. Documentary. Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, and Writing with Fire. Haven't seen any of these, but I'm going to try. Uh, best original song. Be Alive from King Richard. Dos Oruguitas from Encanto. Down to Joy from Belfast. No Time to Die from No Time to Die. And Somehow You Do from Four Good Days. If Billie Eilish doesn't win this Oscar, I'm going to riot. I want a hat trick for the Bond film. Skyfall took it. Spectre took it. No Time to Die needs to take it. And I'm pretty sure it's going to. I mean, it could. They might be feeling sappy because it's the final day in your correct one. So, yeah. It's also a very good song. Yeah, it is. I actually like that one a lot. Cinematography, Dune by Grieg Fraser, Nightmare Alley, Dan Lauston, 
The Power of the Dog, Ari Wegner, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Bruno Del Bonnell, West Side Story, Janusz Kaminski. Cinematography, 100%, should go to The Tragedy of Macbeth. That movie is filmed so intensely and beautifully. Please do the right thing, Academy. Nightmare Alley. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't take your, your votes into consideration at all. Because you didn't watch any of these fucking movies. Only the Institute Night Morale, everything else was like dog shit. Best international film Drive My Car from Japan, Flea from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, and The Worst Person in the World from Norway. From what I hear, Drive My Car is the film to beat. Um, it broke into Best Picture, got a nomination. Um, I've never heard of this film, and now I need to watch it. Uh, production design. Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. Production design should probably go to Nightmare Alley. Yeah, it should. The movie was like detailed as fuck on that. Yes. Yes, it was. But a close second is probably, probably Dune. I'm not, I'm not sure how much of that film was real and CGI, but I'm pretty sure the sets were, were real. I think so. So, yeah, well done. Visual effects. This is the coolest category, I think. Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was the only one I cared about. Yeah. Uh, I, I want this to go to Spider-Man just because I want Spider-Man to win something, but knowing the Academy, Dune's probably going to take this. Yeah, that's probably going to take it. I would actually have said Free Guy. The fact that they have to do like a whole video game ward and it looked fucking good. Yeah. But it's probably going to go to Dune. I don't think Dune's visual effects are the most amazing thing I've fucking seen. Yeah, I understand. Well, there it is. Those are the Oscar nominations. So thank you for suffering through that. You really stuck this week. Uh, before we get into Death on the Nile, Caleb, why don't you tell us about Shudder's latest release, All the Moons? So I get to suffer for a little bit. Look, just because you don't you don't want to watch good films on Shutter, that's your problem. Uh, so, so All the Moons is a foreign film. Uh, I want to say Spanish. I'll look it up later. Um, about a girl that is facing death, and she gets saved by a vampire. Gives her more uh, eternal life, and then through a series of events, they get separated. She ends up finding this um, man, human man that she lives with, and kind of like regain, like you know gets a better picture on humanity again and realizes she doesn't want to be a, you know, doesn't want to be a vampire anymore. And um, it kind of goes from there. Um, it wasn't terrible. I I would say it's much more drama than horror, like way more drama than horror. Like the vampire story is definitely like a big part of what makes it horror, but it's not its most big thing. It's mostly focusing on her regaining humanity and realizing that she doesn't want this life. Of being a vampire, um, I, you know, it's definitely oddly enough, kind of like for you, you horror loving couples out there, probably not the worst Valentine's Day pick if you're looking for something outside the box, because of its themes are are pretty much like on kind of par with that. I ultimately gave it a seven because there were private times I was like looking at my phone because like again, kind of like with slap face I mentioned last week, the pacing thing where like. You know, it kind of leads to trauma more than horror, causes it to have kind of a slow pace that didn't always reel me in. 
Um, and then it would do this thing where it would change the story. So it'd like you'd be thinking like, okay, this is how the story's gonna go, and they change it. I thought it was a good thing to do because it kept you on the kind of like your toes about where this fucking movie was going. But then it got to the kind of like the point of uh, this evil priest is like, call the men, like we gotta get them involved and make sure he doesn't leave town or whatever. And then it never follows up on that, like at all. Like I remember him going, What are the men he speaks of? Like, are we not going back to that? Um, so it does that occasionally, which gets on my nerves when films see that. Just kind of drop fucking plot lines out of nowhere. Um, but overall, I am I haven't read my review yet just because of this day. I I was saying I was gonna do it after this episode, but like I'm fucking tired, so I'll probably just go to bed as soon as we get done. Um but I will probably give it a 7 out of 10. It's not terrible, not the worst thing ever. But do you know you're going into more of a trauma than a horror and very much, you know, slow-paced, slow-burn type of film? It doesn't sound like I'm missing anything from Shudder this year so far. Not this year. I've, I've gotten hints at what is coming out next month. Um, one I'm looking forward to big time. Um, I think I know you watched it like but like Ralph Boschke like Wizards and um, stuff like Heavy Metal and stuff um, they have a movie heavily inspired by that card and Sp- The Spine of Night finally premieres on their next month and that one I'm really looking forward to hmm. um, that one's been high on my radar I've heard a lot of good things from that about that one um, they're not shorter exclusives but um, just for the Fans, you know what? I'll do a quick little plug here where we're talking about Shutter because they made some pretty awesome announcements in the past two days. Um, first, for if you're having a weird craving for a, a French horror extremity fix again, Shutter is uploading a shit ton of movies like Frontiers and Inside. Yeah, the one where she wants the the pregnant woman's baby on Christmas, and things get amazingly graphic that's been one i've been trying to see i haven't seen yet but the big thing i that took the guys who directed inside they had their follow-up was called livid it was released in you know their native country in europe weinsteins yeah back when dimension was company dragged their ass getting the right like getting it a north american release because they're determined to just do an american remake instead because god bless you just released the fucking original horror movie so it hasn't, it came out in 2011, has not received a fucking US release. Shutter worked some kind of magic on March 1st. It gets its first ever streaming American release. So we can finally see this fucking movie that I've heard so much about for now 11 years. Um, so that that's really, so next month is hidden big on there. They also unveiled a bunch of show confirmations. So, um, Creepshow season four has been finally announced for sure happening. Um, Cursed film season two got announced. A new season of Slasher, um, just like they did with their um, Horror Nora, their the documentary on uh, black representation and horror. For a while there, they were talking about doing one on gay representation that just never apparently came to fruition. They finally announced with Brian Fuller that they're doing a full part limited series called Queer for Fear, and it's going to explore. Um, Crew representation in horror. So, yeah, it's, you know, these, it's been kind of a slow past few months with Shutter releases, but they are processing some good stuff, film and TV wise ahead. Cool. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know, Shudder is a horror exclusive streaming service that you can get for five bucks a month and they get all sorts of weird shit. It's, it's worth it. Yeah, like a lot of these films I'm pointing out, um, Shudder does have what Shutter, they call Shudder original films. And really it's like stuff they are paying attention to, like all the various festivals like Berlin, um, you know, South by Southwest, all these festivals like in a non-COVID world, right, to happen. And um they acquire to get them on the site so more people can see it. And um, you know, so that's what that's what I've been watching is the films they acquire, and they release usually a new one every Thursday. I've noticed like Thursday is a, you know, every Thursday in the month a new one comes out. Um, but like I said, it's only February, so like it hasn't bothered me that like the film output hasn't been oh my god, amazing. It's February, so I'm sure there's some really good shit just waiting around the corner. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll 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 check some of that out. Uh, Death on the Nile. Uh, so this was supposed to come out in 2019. The original, the first film, Murder on the Orient Express, came out in 2017. So we're talking a five-year gap, which caused a lot of interest to dwindle. Uh, you had that. You had COVID, obviously. You had early production issues. You had the Army Hammer sexual assault allegations. You had the Letitia Wright anti-vax controversy. And just <laughs> that shitstorm pushed this film three years into the future. <laughs> uh, and here we are. We finally have it, and nobody seems to give a fuck. This is bombing hard at the box office. Is it really? Yeah. It, it's, what's, I mean, people are seeing it because it's all that's there in terms of new stuff, but it's not, make, it's not doing well. So you're saying Jackass will have been a successful weekend? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Um, Jackass has defeated Roland Emmerich and Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> oh, what crazy dystopian future have we found ourselves a part of? A film where Knoxville achieves its lifelong goal of getting a fart ignited underwater is beating... Roland Emmerich, who is the king of disaster porn and a well-respected director, and Kenneth Branagh. Have you, uh, you ever seen Idiocracy? Oh, yeah. Remember when uh, Luke Wilson wanders into a movie theater and finds that the highest-grossing film of all time is a movie called Ass? That's just a, yeah. a butt randomly farting on a screen. It wins like six Oscars, $500 million box office. Yeah. I feel like we're in that world sometimes. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> ah, so Death on the Nile is based on the Agatha Christie novel of the same name. Agatha Christie is, I, I read somewhere that she's the best selling novelist of all time. Yeah, somehow. Because she's a good writer. Her books are, her stories are interesting. I'm sorry that British murder does not quite work for you but it works for nothing, a lot of other people i have nothing against british murder i love sherlock sherlock holmes to death i don't like this i don't That's understand why people love her so much because she's a damn good writer she's um, terrible no the movies based on her work are terrible have you, mean, have you have you read any agatha christie yeah no i haven't because it sounds then how do you know her work's terrible because I, I have seen the adaptations and I'm good. I'm solid. If you were to tell, all right. If you were to tell me that Stephen King's a terrible writer and the evidence you use is like, you know, the Carrie remake 
and like a couple of TV movies, I'd call, I'd say you were full of shit. That sounds legit to me. You don't debate, right? Uh, so death in the Nile. In a way that exasperates and gets them to stop. It's infuriating, and I want to strangle you through this fucking screen. You know, so I do. I don't even like the movie that much. I just feel like you're making a shit <laughs> argument. I know that's how I do it. Oh, it's fun. Not fun. <laughs> I'm tired too. Well, see, I've been moving around, so I don't fucking. That's why I don't know if you've seen me like kind of like moving around and seem like jittery. It's literally so I don't fall asleep. I was wondering why you were shadow boxing over there. Um, so Kenneth Browning plays Hercule Poirot, famous detective from Agatha Christie's stories. Uh, this time on vacation in Egypt, happens upon a murder. Uh, supporting cast includes Tom Bateman, Annette Benning, Russell Brand, Ali Faisal, Don French, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Rose Leslie, Emma Mackey, Sophie Okonedo, Jennifer Saunders, and Letitia Wright. Really good cast in 2019. 2022, incredibly controversial cast. <laughs> and is really holding this back, I think. I think a lot of the box office comes from I heard Army Hammer's a rapist. I don't want to see his movie. Yeah, I heard the teacher right. Anti-vax conspiracy not. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. It's um so why don't we dig into that a bit? Um Army Hammer was an A-lister three years ago. And uh this is the first time anyone's seen him in a long time. Uh and it's not like they could cut him out. He's a significant part of this film. You lose him, you lose the conflict. Uh, so here's what happened allegedly um, Army Hammer currently under investigation by the uh, LAPD for accusations of rape um, his uh, ex-girlfriend uh, accused him of rape and physical abuse throughout their four year on and off relationship uh and uh, not only that, but there's also this uh, speculation that he might be into some really, really freaky, kinky shit involving manipulation, Candy. psychological abuse, and cannibalism. I was like, that ain't kinky. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, as Dan says, it's okay to kink shame right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, apparently Army Hammer's family comes from uh, money. Like, he's, uh, he's big money. Uh, there's a lot of dysfunction and uh, some sexual sadism in his family history. Uh, so um, he might be, you know, he might've been raised in an environment where weird sexual shit was the norm. And, you know, he's, it's kind it's kind of gone public for him. Uh, I don't know how much that's accurate. That might be, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, he eats kids bullshit, but the rape allegations are looking pretty serious. <laughs> so uh, he's gone. Uh, all involvement, um, all productions he's been a part of, uh, he's been forced out of. Uh, Death in the Nile got put on hold because of it. They finally released it because they're like, well, what else are we going to do with it? And uh, here we are. <laughs> Probably the last time we're going to see Army Hammer on the big screen, yeah. unless you want to watch The Lone Ranger again. <laughs> oh, the man from Uncle. Well, he got yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, he was this close to being Batman. 
Yeah, I heard he was like one of the biggest front runners. And I could before all this came out, I was like, I can see that honestly. No, um, he was like he was cast, but the movie fell apart in like 2011. Oh yeah. Um yeah, it this is this is um interesting. I I do think and there's other reasons I think this film's not gonna be bombing at the box office that we'll get into when we talk about the film itself. I do I do actually think that he is one of the reasons though, in the sense that like, you know. In an odd way, it's like I think we've gotten desensitized to the amount of like rape allegations that are happening in Hollywood because it seems like this is a new one every week. But in this case, like it's looking like it's very much like, yeah, this guy's a fucking monster type of deal. Like that's what that's what this one's shaping out to be. So there's that, and then I think the everybody thing is 100 that candles. I think obviously that's going to be like, wait a minute, he likes I mean, to <laughs> he likes to imagine he's eating his partner in the not fun way <laughs> and um he's not it, eating out the pussy yeah, he's eating out the rest uh I'm literally oh, eating out the vagina i don't this is so weird like that this is a thing that there's a possibility that army hammer is a fucking cannibal rapist psychopath this is this is not crazy to say that <laughs> Jesus. No, yeah, it's weird. And I can see, like, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was hugely distracting for me, but it's like, it was there. I remember watching it on, like, this is kind of weird seeing him in this movie. I can't imagine, like, people, like, who really have that on their mind and they're watching this, like, this feels weird. Why is he, why is he in this? Why is he playing such a love interest if apparently he wants to do more than just vanilla sex? The weird part is like he's a hyper sexualized character too. Like he is like aggressively groping Emma Mackey and Gal Gadot in this movie. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big part of why this film isn't doing so well. Um, and, you know, there is, it's a niche crowd, you know, British murder mysteries have their crowd, but not, it's not big here. Um Murder on, more, uh, Murder on the Orient Express did okay, I think. Enough mm-hmm. to warrant a sequel. Uh, critics weren't fi- weren't really friendly to it. it. It was better than this one, I thought. Um, I would take Murder over this one. Yeah. Um, so, apart from that, we have uh, this anti-vaccination controversy with Letitia Wright, who is being groomed, or was being groomed, I don't know the status now, uh, to replace Chadwick Boseman as the face of the Black Panther series in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, until she refused to get vaccinated uh, due to, you know, whatever the fuck her beliefs are. And production halted on Black Panther 2 for various reasons. And uh, now they're looking at alternatives. <laughs> Last I heard. Uh, incredibly <laughs> stupid of her to throw away such an important career milestone if that is indeed what's going on uh i i don't believe i don't understand these anti-vaxxers i mean there's it's a it's fine there's no i've i've gotten the vaccine everyone i know has gotten the vaccine there's been no serious side effects everybody's doing fine just stop acting like you're a victim (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna point man where like look this is how I feel. If you have a legit medical, like a legit reason you can't get vaccinated, like I know those who have like med- potential medical issues, like they can't do it, or I know a lot of like 
women that are pregnant or hesitant because they don't, you know, obviously the tests aren't conclusive on what, how it affects pregnancy because it just hasn't been around long enough to prove that. And that's just facts, right? Um, but if you're one of those that, like, yeah, you're sitting there and, like, so they can microchip you, South government gets you, I'm like, okay, you're a fucking idiot. Just go get vaccinated. Like, <laughs> you're, the, you're the reason we're in year three of this hellhole. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, Letitia Wright seems to be one of these people. Uh, so her presence is now controversial. <laughs> it's a damn shame. And I don't know if Marvel's going to boot her because then who the hell is going to be the Black Panther? Like they're running out of people. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's like, who the fuck are you going to get to finish this movie at this point? Like, this is getting ridiculous. I mean, it's got to be Winston Duke, right? I'd be down for that. Yeah, he'd be a badass Black Panther. Uh, I don't know. Black Panther 2 was already looking uncertain with Chadwick Boseman's death, and now it's like, what in the fuck is this even going to be? I don't know anymore. Like, uh... Well, Death in the Nile. Uh, let's, I don't think we'll spend too much time talking about this one. Uh, so anything you want to spotlight as like any kind of positive? Anything? <sighs> performances were good what they had okay i'll take it that's it that's all i got um i do want to just point out my history with agatha christie real quick why i'm so quick to defend her i read and then there were none in eighth grade and thought it was one of the most brilliant murder mysteries i've ever read uh despite the uh controversy surrounding the title of the book uh it wasn't always called and then there were none it was originally called 10 Little Indians. Oh, and before God. that, before that, it was called 10 Little N-Words. So oh, my Lord. Yeah, this, this book has a dark history. Um, I found a original print of the 10 Little Indians version, and I, I, I bought it because I'm like, ooh, historical. Uh, but it's a great book. A uh, bunch of, you know, 10 strangers are summoned to an island and uh, by a mysterious host named U.N. Owen unknown get it uh and this mysterious host leaves behind a record player where he basically says he accuses each one of these 10 people of murder and says you are responsible for this person's death and they all realize they've been summoned here to be killed by a vigilante who's going to punish them for their sins and it is a super tense thriller uh very well i've seen a couple of versions of this on screen it's very well acted very tense uh and the ending is like, what? That's the killer? Holy shit. Uh, so definitely a good one. It's not a Poirot. It's just 10 strangers who are responsible for a murder. Very quick and easy and really good. But uh, that's, that's all I've read of hers. I've also played the point-and-click adventure game versions of And Then There Were None and Murder on the Orient Express. And those are really fun. I guess I should probably give my, my quick history on why I'm not quick to defend Agatha Christie. Sure. So growing up, my mom watched the British show they did, Agatha Christie's Perot. I despised it with a fucking passion. I thought it was boring, dull, just... I, it would put me to I could be wide awake and it would put me to sleep. I did not like it at all. Character of Perot never, that? like, interested Why'd you keep watching it? Why'd you keep watching it? She put it on! She put it on. Go watch something else. That wasn't always an option. 
point being is I hated I hated that show with a passion. I thought when they did the when they were doing the trailer lead up, you know, they're promoting for a murder murder on the Orient Express. I thought, you know what? I'll give it a second chance. I'm older now, maybe I'll like him all and I'll get it. I thought that that home would be pretty much bored. I'm sitting there going, no, there's just something about this that just does nothing for me. And I remember when they were doing this was finally coming out, I was like, God, please come out on a weekend that like there's something else big. So I don't have to do this for the podcast. And they were like, nope, this is literally the biggest thing coming out this weekend. I'm like, fuck. And so I, I went in and by the end of this movie, I was like, no, my feelings stand. I'm, I'm done trying to give this character a chance. I just, this is not for me. So that, yeah, I'm coming at this as someone who has tried numerous times. It's just not clicking for me. Well, that's unfortunate. Because uh, there's some really good stories in her repertoire. What I hear. Uh, my grandma has watched all of the Poirot show and she loves it to death. She's the huge, the biggest Agatha Christie fan I've ever known. Um, the, uh, so as I said, the, uh, Poirot's on vacation in Egypt, uh, is invited to the wedding of a young heiress who is marrying her friend's, uh, former fiance, which was a good twist of like, Oh shit. And, um, on the uh, spoiler alert, on the boat, the Karnak, which is like their honeymoon ship, uh, Gal Gadot, the heiress, is shot in the head. And who done it? Uh, it's pretty goddamn obvious who done it from the beginning. I was about to say, so <laughs> first, I was already annoyed that like it took an hour in a two-hour murder and mystery film to get to the fucking central murder and stop the mystery. Like I was just sitting there going, dude, you could have trimmed so much of this like i don't need an hour of no murder in a fucking murder mystery movie did didn't you want to know why poirot grew his spruce mustache god no god no i hated like once i realized that that's all that scene was there for i was like you could have fucking excised this whole opening you fucks um and then when it did get to the murder mystery this one this one zipped through it like I remember when he gets to the part where he's like, gets everyone in the room and like they're talking about um, all their stuff. Like he's like telling, like, oh, this is who did this, blah, blah, blah. Like three girls are coming. I legit was sitting there like, oh, there's, we're doing reveals already in this movie. But I was like, the, it's already been an hour. I was like, okay. So this film, first off, had like the worst pacing problems. And then, like you said, when I was watching it, I remember sitting there going, okay, so it's going to be this person and this person. I was half right. I got one half right, and because I was so kind of at that point bored and out of it, I didn't probably change my answer to the other obvious killer. And so I got like half wrong, but I, yeah, I guess it half right at the very beginning, which really took out the suspension tension part of the mystery for me. Well, it's just so. I didn't call all right, spoiler alert. I didn't call the Army Hammer reveal. I didn't See, I realize it was the hmm? I called the Army Hammer one. I didn't call her. Uh whatever the fuck his 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 dumb lady's name was. Yeah. I it was so obvious it was her from the start. Like she clearly hated her. She's clearly not supposed to be here. She brought the gun. Come on. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know why. I think, like I said, for some reason in my head, it went Hammer and Russell Brand. 
and I never borrowed to change it. Like at any point, I was like, all right, I'm just going to stick to it and uh, keep this moving along so I can get through this damn movie. And then when they revealed it, I was like, ah, I should have said, I should have guessed that. I was like, it was pretty obvious. Now that, yep, yep. Okay, I'm an idiot. And that's the thing, right? Even though I didn't guess it, I'm so pissed because I sat there and started going, oh my God, wow, they really got me. No, I went there going, oh yeah, it's obvious. Like that shouldn't be a thing in a murder mystery movie. I shouldn't be sitting there going, oh yeah, that was obvious. Why am I? I should have been like, holy shit, it was, <gasps> what? And I didn't have that response. Yeah, neither did I. Um, I haven't read the book Death on the Nile or seen the original movie, so I don't know if that's like the original choice. I don't know if that's like it was that painfully obvious in the originals, but I'll find out one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the uh, the emphasis on his friendship with Book and how you know his friend was killed and how Poro kind of goes off the edge with that. That was. Nice glimpse into the character's humanity. Uh, I like that. Uh, didn't quite understand why Letitia Wright's character hated him so much. Like that was bugging me. Like when he, you know, when it's revealed that he was actually in a little like case on 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 book, and he gives his analysis of Letitia Wright's character, but he says nothing but positive things, and basically like, yeah, don't listen to your mom, marry her. Like you're perfect for each other. And she gets mad at him. I'm like, he literally just defended you in front of his mom. Like, why are you getting so pissed at him? Like, I, your your emotion does not make any sense. Yeah. Seemed awfully forced. Um, I'm wondering. I I I don't think we're gonna get a third movie. Uh, if we were, it would probably be Evil Under the Sun, which I also had a point click adventure game of, but it froze up and I lost it. Never got to finish the game. So I don't know how that went. Um, but uh, yeah, I gave it a seven. Um, go see it if you want to see it. It's not a terrible movie. It's just predictable and kind of dull. Uh, the characters don't stand out as much as they did in Murder on the Orient Express. Everyone's kind of interchangeable. A lot of people are just kind of let, thrown to the side to focus on various other characters, uh, which is unfortunate. And then there's a lot of unnecessary subplots about Poirot's personal life that I don't think were in the book and don't really add to the movie. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was like, there's no, I put it on my review. I gave it a five. Anyone's running. I was really like just bored to tears. Um, but like, that was another thing for me that was like, was not good was the characters in the sense that like, I, and that's why I say it was wrong. I could, the actors were fine. They want the issue. It was the same fact that like the characters were ran so forgettably, like half of them I was I would forget her in the movie because they just kind of disappeared into the background. It was like, and whereas more on the Orient Express, I felt like like all the characters had very unique personalities and they all stood out so you remembered, but not in this one. Yeah. Well, them's the breaks. Uh, anything else you want to point out about Death on the Nile? I thought this was gonna be much I thought there was gonna be much more to talk about with this film. No, um, I just more of a personal thing. Like I'm, I'm probably, I'm actively going to be done with Agatha Christie and her crew for real. Like it's, this is just not a character that's clicked for me at all. Um, this film just emphasizes it more with its strange fucking first hour and then second hour. Um, yeah, I, if you're, you know, for real fame, I mean, you know, if not, you're, 
you're fine not seeing this one. You really, really are not. You're fine. Okay. Well, sorry for the fairly dull episode. Not our fault. You know, move, the movies are what the movies are. We don't pick the movies yeah. on the show. They. <laughs> it's a dull movie, um, and I'm, I'm pretty like dead tired. So we're going this late, and I had to be up early to grab Josh. So I'm trying to make it through this one right now. Cool. Well, let's end this. Let's end this bit. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, feel free to follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com to send us recommendations or feedback. You can also check out the website, filmgasm.com, or support us through your podcast provider. Uh, we appreciate it. Next week is fully loaded. In theaters, we get the highly anticipated video game movie Uncharted, as well as the Channing Tatum comedy Dog. On Netflix, we get the long-awaited requel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is inspiring the entire week of shows we got planned. On Wednesday's Filmgasm, we're going to be discussing the 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And on Friday's Beyond the Bad, we're digging into 1995's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. On Oscar Sunday, it's a Best Picture showdown on 12 Years a Slave, but that's only because there's yet to be a Texas Chainsaw film that's gotten the Academy's attention. Maybe one day. Probably won't, but my vote is Matthew McConaughey yelling moo fucking moo in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. God, I can't wait to at least get entertained by his performance again on that movie. Yeah, I'm excited to see a movie that him and Zellweger have both tried vehemently to distance himself from to no avail. I will say this. Zellweger is kind of boring in the movie, but McConaughey, oh my God. He is awesome. He gives like his 110% and it's beautiful. Wonderful. And then I am excited to revisit the remake on Filmgasm. Uh, that's a film I haven't seen in a very long time. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I fucking love the remake, so I'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow before I hunker down and watch the Joe Bob special finally be uploaded on Shutter tomorrow. His Valentine's Day special, he showed Black Roses and Frankenhooker, apparently. Yeah. So I'm going to knock this remake out so I can sit down and enjoy those. Real quick, you know what really pissed me off? Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and Bordello of Blood are now on Shudder. Yep, they literally did it this month, and I was like, God damn it. That keeps happening to us. It's really it's really bugging me. Yeah, um, I'm hoping, I, so far, the only time it doesn't is when I do a Beyond the Bad episode, because we usually pick movies that they're not rushing to put on streaming services, so I'm like... That's true. <laughs> well, that's all, everybody. Have a great week. And uh, we promise next week we will be way more energized and have something to really say. So, yeah, don't miss next week. Yeah, sorry, it's been a it's been a rough week for me in general. So I apologize. Yeah, keep watching movies, movies you want to see. That's a big part of it.